because the Bible says to feed, feed on the word. He is the bread of life. That bread is our sustaining fire within us. He wants to sustain us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to fill us with his presence. except to do one thing. He tries. He comes and he tries, but he's defeated. He is under our feet. He's under our feet. He's defeated, but every single one of us learn, and we have learned, and we continue to press in to really take what is rightfully ours. And in the kingdom, God says, I have given you the whole, I've given you the kingdom. He's given us the whole kingdom. And it's up to us to not let his assignment of thievery, because that's what it is, to rob from us what God has already promised us. Yeah. And so he says in Nahum 1-7, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold, which means a refuge in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust him. You know, the Lord knows that you trust him. And because he knows that you trust him, he's working it out for you. He is working it out for you. I can't tell you how many times I feel like, oh, no, Lord, I'm in a mess again. Lord, help. And then the Lord constantly helps. Overcommit here, overcommit there, whatever it might be for you. But I'm like, oh, no, Lord, would you work this out? But he does. He knows those who trust him. And the thing is this, I know he's going to. I don't strive over it. I know he's going to because I know he's my good, good father God. He's my good, good daddy God. He's my Abba. Do you know him as your Abba? Do you know him as your Abba? You know that when you ask for such a thing as bread, then he doesn't give a stone. He doesn't give something wicked or bad, right? He, he wants to bless you with the abundance, and there's a confidence that you walk in knowing that, Lord, I need help, and you just know before the answer arrives, you already know the answer is going to arrive. It's called relationship with the Lord, right? It's a relationship with the Lord. So Nahum 1-2, fear not, for the Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. We know God is, he's already won. We know that. But at the same time, we know that his word does not return unto us void. Say his word, will not return unto me void. You guys are familiar with this prayer? I'm quite sure. It's called the prayer of Jabez. Verses 9 and 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, because, saying, because I bore him in pain. The Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. We don't all walk in the same amount and same level of honor. And that might come as a shock for some of you, but it's true. There, God wants you to walk in the fullness of honor. He wants you to walk in the fullness of favor as well. It's provided for you. Don't get me wrong. God's not withholding it from you. But we don't all walk in the same 
amount and same level as honor and favor. Here in the word of the Lord, it says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother called him Jabez because she said, I bore him in pain. She tried to mark his life out with the title of pain, but God. Say, but God. When you keep your eyes on him, no matter who throws you into the pit, no matter who is jealous of you, no matter who tries to sell you into slavery in Egypt, if God be for you, who can be against you? And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with you. Say, and the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with me. The Lord is with my family. The Lord is with my spouse. The Lord is with my children. The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with me. Lord is with you. Jabez, more honorable than his brothers. What must he have done? Better yet, what kind of a heart had he had to have? To be one that would be counted more honorable than the rest. So you've got people that are fighting for honor and they want honor. They want to be favored. They want to be honored. That's not how it works in the kingdom. God sees the heart. Man looks at the appearance. But God, who looks at the heart, says, "Uh uh-uh, that's not of me. When you humble yourself and you look to me, when you honor one another, and honor the one that I've put you with. When you honor, God says, I will honor you. But you got people that are fighting for honor. Oh, don't you look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You're looking like, mm-hmm. Yes, we, we understand. But at the same time, God has been doing an amazing thing and working on hearts, our hearts. Amen? And he's doing an incredible, and it's, it's in unity. That's the beautiful thing. There's a spirit of unity that's continually to grow in this room, in this church. And I give him the, oh my goodness, all the, all the glory and honor for that. Because that's what's necessary for, for God to continue to move and how he's moving. So Jabez, more honorable than his, brother, than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez. Because he says, I bore him in pain. That's what she said. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. He prayed. Jabez prayed. And he called upon the God of Israel and he said, oh, that you would bless me indeed. It's not selfish for you to ask the Lord to bless you. It is not, here we see this, this man here saying, Lord, bless me indeed. And then he goes as far as saying, enlarge my territory. You know, the Bible says that when you ask, you receive. Uh, Sometimes you don't have because you don't ask. Ask, seek, and knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. He says, bless me. And then he says, enlarge my territory. But all with the right heart. When your heart is right and God can trust you for more, God gives you more. I believe God has given you more. I believe God is trusting you with more. But of course, we must use what we have. When your heart is right and God trusts you with more, it's because you're using that which you have. People want more, but they're not using what they have. And they're wondering when the increase is going to come. The increase comes as there's a need for it. But you ask, you pray. You press in and you do the will of God, all with that right heart. God is going to bless. He continues to bless because he is a blesser. He's our father who loves to bless. And so he says he prayed that you would bless me and indeed enlarge my territory. And listen to this, that your hand would be with me. That your hand would be with me. Do you know how important that little phrase is? That your hand would be with me. 
that the hand of the Lord would be with you everywhere you go. You say, but it is with me. But when you pray, but the hand of the Lord, let the hand of the Lord be with me everywhere I go. You are acknowledging God's divine presence and his absolute supreme sovereignty to walk with you everywhere that you go, knowing that when you ask the king, you're asking the king who happens to also be your Abba Daddy God. You're asking the king for, for the, his hand, his favor, his protection, his wisdom, for his, his opportunities. You don't want every opportunity that may come your way. Oh, there are lots of opportunities, and the enemy would be happy to oblige you. He'd be happy to present those opportunities, and he does. He does as bait. But when you ask the Lord for the hand of the Lord to be upon me and you keep your heart right, not in fragmented soulish prayer, but in purity. Lord, I've told you how many times have I told you, pray with this posture, your hand, not like this. I want it. Thank you, Lord. I want your will. No, you don't. Look at your heart. Look at your hand. If this is a representation of your heart, then you're not really praying from a surrendered place. Your lips are, but your heart's like this. And only God knows, which means we have to make sure we do some soul searching and let God really press into our heart. So he says his prayer was that your hand would be upon me. Because no matter what you go through, difficulties, when you know the hand of the Lord is upon you, you can do it. You can go through it, right? I mean, I've gone through so many different things, but knowing that the hand of the Lord is with me, it's our strength. He's our strength. He gets us through. You're never alone. You are never alone. Because the hand of the Lord is upon you. But you pray and you ask him, let your hand be upon my life. I love when I look at the specific things that, that he prays. He says, bless me, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, and that I may not cause pain. So he says, keep me from evil. Because we know that the wicked one who lies around roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour... But he says, keep me from evil. Do you think you've arrived and you're so above that? You don't need to pray, Lord, keep me from evil? Because the enemy's crafty. Oh, is he ever crafty? Amen. But we pray and we know that we have authority. We pray and we know that we have relationship, koinonia, with God. Lord, keep me from evil. And that I would not cause pain. And the older that you get in Christ, the more you realize how important that last line is. The more that you grow in Christ, the more you realize how important that last part of his prayer, that I wouldn't cause pain. It should never be your intention to cause pain. You don't want to cause pain to people. Sometimes you will. But as long as it's not coming from a place of wickedness, exactly, you know, evilness, wickedness, you know, in evil intent. People will, there, there will be pain. People, it's just by the nature, Jesus offended people too. But it's as long as it is not what is within you. So pray that I would not cause pain. Exactly. And the word of the Lord says in the end here, verse 10, so God granted him what he requested. And God is granting what you are asking as you walk uprightly before the Lord. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. And what else? His righteousness, right? And then all these other things will be added unto you. Turn your Bibles to Psalm, let's see, Psalm 37. Psalm 37. 
We're going to start with verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers. Church of God, do not fret. You know, you read, you hear, you know, all kinds of evil happening all around you. You know, bills being passed that you know are not of God. You know, uh, men claiming to be pregnant, but in reality, they weren't really a man. It was a, it was a woman, it was a transgender and just posing to be a man. Now you see this, this, this belly and they're like, see, see, it happens. It can happen. no. No, and no again. Don't be deceived and don't be taken in by the deception that's out there. You have to know the truth which sets you free. Evil will be all around. You know, but with that said, never forget, I believe, with evil being so prevalent, that we live in the best time because people are also so very, very hungry for the truth. They're also so very hungry for the miracles. They're open to the truth. And boy, do we need to have godly Christians walking in their authority, different from the world, but walking in their authority. I had taken my my grandbaby to the uh, park yesterday after school. And um, these are like little kids on the playground I, the school had ended for them. The park happens to be right by a public school. So we, we drove to this park. That park happens to be right by a public school. And there was public school kids just leaving out of their classrooms and, and filled the park up. And so it was wild. It was crazy. And because they're all coming out like, Rah! you know, like, I just got released. And so, uh, you know, they're all swinging and jumping and doing all this. All of a sudden, I became the police. All of a sudden, I became the police. I became the park patrol. You know, I was like, wow, really? You know, who's like blocking the slide? You know, who's like not letting the girls go down and all this? And I'm like banging. I'm like, get out, you know? And like, who am I? You know, who am I? I'm a daughter of the king. You've seen those kids' faces. They're like, they slid down, you know? But the sad thing was, is I'm walking, as I'm, I know it was kind of funny, but I'm walking around and I'm looking at just various kids just kind of doing their own thing. But all I can see is how demonized many of them were. Demonized. Who is all by himself over here? He's maybe 10. How old could he have been? I don't know, eight? Maybe 10, nine, 10. Acting out some murderous scene, no joke, because I could tell just by his mannerism, he's going, he's doing all this stuff, falling, and he's acting it all out. He's just like, he's seen this. He's clearly seen this, right? Another kid that jumps on top of the slide, you know, and he's like on the tube kind of a slide. And as kids are coming out, he's like aiming his spit, right? And I mean, boys, okay, sorry, men. But, you know, sorry, boys, right? Boys would be boys. No, but this was more than boys being boys. This was evil. It was demonic because the same kid that was aiming his spit at the kids that were, you know, coming out, well, that's when I walked up. Oh, no, you don't. I said, stop. He kind of looked at me. You know, and he stopped all right. But before I saw all that, he's doing this to himself. He's choking himself. I had such a heaviness in my heart because I'm thinking these kids are demonized and they're like eight, nine, ten years old. They're demonized. Don't tell me they weren't demonized. They were demonized. I can see it. You, it was, didn't take rocket science to see it. It was bad. Then I'm thinking they don't know any better. They're Who's to blame? You know what I mean? The parents are allowing things they should never see. The school system is teaching them a bunch of garbage, right? And so they're like running out of these classrooms, basically like, I'm out of prison. But then they're acting out. It's horrible. And my heart was grieving. I say this story for this one reason. 
We have our work cut out for us, people. We really, really do. You know, it's everywhere. Like, we need to know that it's our job, right, to bring in truth, to bring in order, to bring in truth, to bring in the love of God. But sometimes the love of God says, stop, and you bring in order. The point of it is, is you've got, you, you've got that bully spirit, it's what it is, the bully spirit trying to, you know, beat on and beat upon and intimidate those that are more timid. And that same scenario that I just painted is still happening, but it's happening in the spiritual realm. It is still happening in the spiritual realm where you have that same bully spirit. Now, you may not be able to see him. Some of you can, but you may not be able to see him, but it is a spirit. And it's still trying to bully and silence and intimidate that which wants to walk purely before the Lord. So it's the same scenario, but we have to have eyes to see and the willingness and the ability to say no. No, the wicked will prevail all around me. I carry the power of God, and I am God's agent to stop this now. That's what you all carry, and we, all, and we have to have that boldness. You come to church, and this is a place where you can get filled back up. You can be encouraged. You can be you know, edified, yes, corrected when needed, but then you're sent back out so that you're filled to go and do the very will of God. So it's really the best time to live because our assignments are many where we have a lot of assignments and they're out there predominant. So when we're not going to shrink back from the assignments God's given us, are we? Hallelujah. So it says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. And of course, we're talking about that spirit, the spirit. But then it goes on verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Church of God, one of the best things that you can do is to feed on the faithfulness of God. It'll keep your heart right. It'll keep you walking steadfast in the right way. And with the Lord, feed, feed. That means eat. That means delight. And the very next scripture says to delight yourself also in the Lord. It says feed. Okay, let me, let me put this down. Trust in the Lord, verse 3, and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And then it says, delight yourself also in the Lord. He wants you to feed on his faithfulness. Think about, meditate on the faithfulness of God. And delight yourself. Find yourself happy in him. Make yourself, you know, preach yourself happy if you need to. But find yourself happy in him. Feeding in the goodness of the Lord. What the enemy wants to do is to, for you to keep silent and for you to keep discouraged, focusing on the problems. We all have them. Might be news bright for some of you, but we all have them. I don't care how big the smile may be on their face, but we all have the problems and the trials, but we have the problem solver. And I refuse to give him one more moment of my life. I refuse to give him one more inch one more second. I refuse. Do I do that perfectly? Nope. But I certainly do try. And we all need to keep at it and keep encouraging one another. Because I'll tell you what, we already know the end of the book and we win. We're victorious. We win. But we get to keep ourselves, keep ourselves in the love of God, which is another scripture. Feed on the faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How many of you have desires of your heart that you know and you're believing God for? Yes. 
desires. You know, he's spoken some things. He's promised some things to you, and you know they're going to come to pass. You may not know exactly how or when, but you know they're going to come to pass because he's promised you something. And when he's promised you something, you know, and, and you keep, keep faithful at what you're doing today and just let God move on the affairs of men. Let God do it. The whole time you stay in faith, the whole time you bind the powers and principalities. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about passive faith, but I am talking about faith that knows, that knows the word and knows your ability to stand in, in, in peace, that faith that has peace, the peace of God, right? God wants to give you the desires of your heart, it, and, 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 but he wants you to glorify him with them. So let, let's keep going. Verse 5, commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. When you commit your way, you trust, he'll bring it to pass. Say, I'm going to commit my way to the Lord, and I trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. Look at verse, jump down to verse 7. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him and do not fret. You know, the Bible continues to repeat, do not fret, do not fear, do not fret, do not fear, rest, wait, wait patiently, trust. Well, why would he have to continue to repeat this if there wasn't a need? He who made us in his image and in his likeness, he who created us and knows our weakness Right? He knows everything about us, and yet he's repeating this because there's a need, because we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. You know, the word of the Lord says, it's not, it's not cumbersome for me to repeat and remind you of these things. It's not burdensome for me to remind you of these things. Why? Because the Bible is your life. It's food. When you, How many of you, when you've been so down or so tired or so discouraged, and all you do is get out your word and read out loud, and you notice after you read, you just get filled up. You get stronger. You feel strengthened, right? Or maybe you turn on, on you know, something on where the, the word is being read. Maybe you go to YouTube and you, you go and you listen to the word preached, right? And you're, you're just getting filled up. You're getting filled up because the Bible says to feed. Feed on the word. He is the bread of life. That bread is our sustaining fire, within us. He wants to sustain us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to fill us with his presence. Okay, Luke 8. And um, this is the, well, the girl restored to life and the woman healed. But I'm referring to the woman healed. The beginning part of Luke 8, verse 40. I'm, I'm just going to read, I'm going to read starting in verse 40. It says, so it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him. I love that right there. We could stop right there. That'll preach. The multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Church of God, make sure you're included in the group that welcomes Jesus and that is waiting for his arrival. In other words, when you come to worship, come with an expectation that Jesus is going to meet you there and you come welcoming him. You're waiting for him. You're looking for him. You're like, oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for the spirit of the living God. Thank you that you break in. Thank you that as we press into you, you press into us. We're welcoming you, Lord. You say, but the Lord is with me all the time. He's around me all the time. Exactly. But I'm referring to the, manifest, um, the manifestation of his presence. You walk with God. God is in you. But then there is a manifestation of his presence that increases 
and decreases, depending on how hungry and how welcoming we are. In verse 41, and behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to come to his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him, and you know that means they pressed they pressed in. They all were pressing in. And now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on the physicians. She spent everything that she had. And she could not be healed by any. Came from behind. And she touched the hem of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. There was a power that was released through Jesus and her faith pulled virtue. Say her faith pulled virtue. Her faith pulled virtue. She reached out in faith. Remember, there's everybody touching Jesus. But her faith pulled this virtue, which is power, and she got healed. Though she spent all of her money, though it had been many, many years of the same story, the same story, nothing changed. But look at what happened here. And so it was her faith that pulled virtue. Absolutely. But I want you to look at verse 45. And Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? And, and as I've shared with you before, Jesus, they're all touching you. They're all around. They're all pressing in. They're all thronging. What do you mean, who touched me? That touch of faith, that cry of desperation was one. Though it was a room full of people or outside full of people touching, pressing, thronging, but there was one cry of desperation, and he said, who touched me? The voice of authority, the voice of one that speaks, the voice of power God has put in you, every one of you, the voice of authority. Do you know that when Jesus said, who touched me? Because the woman yet, nothing had been pronounced. We don't know that she's healed. We just know that she touched the hem of his garment. And we know that Jesus spoke, who touched me? And let's keep. And when all denied it, they're like, you know, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Peter and all those with him wasn't, wasn't us. Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? And Peter, and, and Jesus said, somebody touched me. He says, he's never mind that. Somebody pulled virtue. Somebody had faith. Faith that exceeds the general population. Faith that is higher. Faith that is deeper. Faith that won't quit. Somebody touched me. Those who touched Jesus were healed. Who touched me? Those who touched Jesus were healed. Those that come near you. I'm telling you, you have to know that it is the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead that lives on the inside of you. And Jesus says, as he is, so are you. Who touched me? Virtue just left out of you because Jesus is in you.